I told you at the very beginning of the semester in our very first chapel that it was going to be a, a great year for Northeastern Baptist College, and we have seen God do amazing things in and through our college already this year. Uh, in fact, uh, despite the fact that we had to go remote for two weeks or almost two weeks, uh, we even during that time saw opportunities that you had to share the gospel with people and saw some people come to faith in Christ. Uh, we continue to do that, and then we continue to see how God is working in each one of us. And, and last week was a great week for everybody, right? Uh, because you got all your assignments done, and you got all the papers written, and you even got ahead on the papers due at the end. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I'm not putting all that on you. I know you did what you could. But I do know that we had a fun day on Thursday, and then God really did some amazing things and some lives in the retreat over the weekend. And that's really exciting. It's really exciting that God is at work, and it's exciting to be in a place where God is at work and doing amazing things. But I got a question for you today. What do you do when you mess up? What do you do when in the midst of God at work, you realize that you've made a mistake? What do you do when you realize that you made commitments to God that you haven't fulfilled? What do you do when you realize that maybe your choices have even hurt other people? How do you deal with it when in the midst of God at work, you mess up? Folks, it's inevitable that we're going to mess up. The fact of the matter is, is that though once you trusted Christ, His Spirit came to live in you and He gave you a new nature. You are a new creation in Christ. Until the rapture, or until you leave this earth, you also carry around with you the old man. The Apostle Paul, as, as a believer, wrote... The things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? The fact is, is we will mess up, and just like in school, choices that we make have different consequences. So, for instance, there's probably not a person in any of my classes who do not understand the grading system that the president uses. In fact, I tell you at the very beginning of the semester, if you fail my class, it's because you want to. Because if you will carefully study your syllabi, you will realize you could miss a certain number of quizzes and still pass with a good grade. However, you also realize that though there are less consequences of missing one quiz, the more quizzes you miss, there comes a point where it does impact your grade. And you certainly recognize that not doing a paper or missing a test is devastating to your grade. There are different consequences for the choices that you make in President Ballard's classes or any classes because the assignments are weighted differently. There are some that are more serious than others, and that is true in life. You need to understand that any sin at all causes a problem in your relationship with the Lord. The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
I'm convinced that one of the reasons that we wonder if God hears our prayers is because there is iniquity in our heart and we're hiding it from God. And it doesn't matter if it's little or big, that is the case. However, the temporal consequences for our sin is different based upon what we do. Just like running a red light will get you a ticket, but ramming into somebody intentionally with your car will have far more serious consequences. So is the same when sin enters our life. However, this morning I want you to understand that there are three things that are absolutely the same and true of any mistake or sin that you commit. When you wake up one day and realize, I have messed up. When you wake up one day and you realize, man, I blew it. Whether it was in what we might consider running a stoplight, or whether it was something far more serious, there are three things that are true of every one of them. And so this morning, I want to point out three different passages of Scripture to you that speak to these three things. And I want to encourage you today that when you mess up, there are three things that are always true that all of us need to tuck away. And this is how we respond when we mess up. Open your Bibles with me to 1 John in chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, and at least 90% of you already and think you know exactly where I'm going. And you are probably right. But in 1 John chapter 1, we find some statements about messing up. I want you to begin reading there with me. We're going to read a, a, the second paragraph, which is a, the end of the, the chapter as well. But beginning in verse 5, we will read, This is the message that we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Folks, that's why even the littlest sin will cause there to be a problem in your life. Because in God, there is no darkness at all. He is completely holy. But he goes on and he says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and we're walking in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So we can... Say, hey, everything is great in my relationship with God, but we are actually lying and we are not practicing the truth when we pretend that everything is okay, but we know that the Holy Spirit is convicting us of sin in our life. We're lying. So we're compounding our sin. But, in contrast, verse 7, if we walk in the light as He is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Listen, the cleansing of your sin is not because you made up for it or did better. The cleansing of your sin is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that can cleanse sin, for the unbeliever or for the believer. But notice what he says, we must leave the darkness, the cover-up, the hiding, and we must come into the light. And if we will walk in the light, in the light of His presence, His light will shine into our hearts, and sometimes it is painful. 
It hurts. When God shines His light and we are walking truly in the light with Him, He is constantly showing us things in our life that are wrong that we need to adjust. You know why? Because God is committed to your sanctification. If you know Jesus as your Savior, He will not let you go. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you may run, but you will not be able to hide for long. He will shed His light upon you, and if you will embrace that light, it may hurt for a moment as He shines it into the deep recesses of your heart and shows you things that you have been hiding a sin that need to be confessed and dealt with and may even show you some things you didn't even know was sin before until that moment. In fact, having walked with the Lord for a long time, I can tell you that there are things that He shows me as sin these days that I didn't even know was a sin a long time ago. Because he's drawing me closer to him and so he is with you. And as you walk in the light, he shines it. But notice in the shining of the light, he is ready and able to cleanse, to forgive. So here is the first thing we do in the next verses. When you recognize you've messed up, when you have blown it, Number one, you seek reconciliation with the Lord. You seek reconciliation with the Lord. If we confess our sins, verse 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I know you know that verse. You can probably quote that verse. But so much of the time we quote it and we don't even think about what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if you will confess, and by the way, that word does mean, and you've probably heard it a thousand times, maybe you've even taught it, it means that you agree. You are now agreeing with God that what you are doing is sin. You see, when I regard iniquity in my heart, I'm pretending it's not sin. When I confess, I'm saying, God, you have shown me this is sin, and you're right, and I'm wrong. And he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to cleanse us from all, to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does it mean that he's faithful and just? Because listen, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus already paid the price for your sin. He died in your place, taking the punishment of everything you've ever done wrong or ever will do wrong. And if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, the righteousness of Christ has been imputed into your life. And every time the Father looks at you, He looks at you just as if you'd never sinned and just as if you'd always done right. But when you as a believer uh, fall short, when you as a believer make a mistake, it does impact the fellowship with God and with one another. Maybe you got problems in relationships with one another. Have you ever stopped to wonder, is there sin in my life that might be causing that? But when we confess it, the reason He forgives us and cleanses us is because immediately He recognizes that, hey, this sin's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. It is unjust to punish someone 
twice for the same crime. And God is a just God. And He's already punished Jesus for your sin. Jesus has taken it. And therefore, because He is a just God, He is faithful and He is true. He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Wow! But notice that, that this is a sandwich statement. You notice I skipped the verse in front of it. Because I wanted you to see the contrast in, in verse 8 and verse 10 from verse 9. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if we continue to regard iniquity in our heart, if we continue to put on the happy face and pretend that everything is right, pretend that everything is good, if we continue to deny that we have done wrong when we have done wrong, and we know from the conviction of the Spirit we have done wrong, and we continue to deny it, he says that, listen, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. In fact, do you know you can... You can so quench the conviction of the Spirit in your life that you deceive yourself so long that you actually begin to think that what you did is okay. When deep in your heart, you know it's not. The psalmist David said that when he covered his sin, his bones waxed old within him. It takes a toll. But the self-deception begins to make us think that, oh, I'm okay. I got away with that one. Look at verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, when we confess it, he forgives it. But when we say, no, it's not sin. No, it was okay. No, it's not a problem. Well, just this once. Well, you know what? That's just somebody else's interpretation but we know the Holy Spirit convicted us of doing wrong, and we know it was wrong. We know we've broken God's law, but we, we begin to say, no, it's okay, and we justify it. First, we deceive ourselves, and in the end, we call God a liar. Because, folks, when His Spirit convicts you of something, it's, you better deal with that. Period. Whether everybody agrees with you or disagrees with you. You know, I've learned that just about any sin that you want to commit, you can find somebody out there that will tell you it's okay that you did it. If you go and talk to enough people long enough. But every time we hide our sin, we're deceiving ourselves and we're calling God a liar. And the sin is getting worse and worse. So what do we do? When we recognize we've messed up. We seek reconciliation with the Lord that only comes through agreeing with Him. And saying, Lord, it was wrong. It was wrong. There's a second thing that we do. I want you to turn with me over to Matthew. The greatest sermon ever preached the greatest preacher there ever was, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And I want us to look for a few moments at Matthew chapter 5. Again, we'll read the whole paragraph. 
beginning in verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. In this section of Scripture, in verses 21 through 26, Jesus is dealing with the, the normal thinking about sin. He says there are those big sins, and we know, yes, murder is true. Murder is sin, and it's that, that you're in danger of judgment. That is true. Jesus does not deny that. But he takes it a step further and says, listen, you can commit murder in your heart by hating someone. It is just as wrong to, be, to, to treat someone wrongly, to speak evil of them in a bad way or evil to them in a bad way. He said, well, we, we, we know that you're not supposed to commit adultery, he tells us in another text. But listen, even if you look on someone to lust after them, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is pushing this issue. But I want you to note with me in verses 23 and 24 what Jesus does. He not only teaches us in 1 John 1, 9 that we should seek reconciliation with the Lord, he teaches us that we should seek reconciliation with others. Notice what he says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, so you're at worship, and there while you're, while you're bringing your gift, you remember that your brother has something against you. He says, leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer the gift. Now, that's pretty serious. He's saying, listen, just don't offer this, this offering of worship. If you're about to present your offering in worship and, and you realize that your brother has something against you, that, that, that there is something that you have done to cause harm to your brother, then, then just leave your gift there and go and be reconciled to your brother first. Now, folks... I want you to understand that, that sometimes when we sin against the Lord, certainly He is the only one who ultimately we need to confess our sin to, but sometimes our sin has impacted other people. And when our sin has impacted other people, we have a responsibility to go and make it right with that person. Now, I'm not talking about things that nobody knows. Several years ago, the Williams and Cindy and I were in a prayer meeting. And a man stood up in the church and he said, uh, I, have, I need you to pray for me. I have a confession to make. I think bad thoughts about all of you all the time and I judge every one of you. Well, that didn't help the situation. <laughs> 
those thoughts were in his head. He should have kept them there. <laughs> he should have dealt with God about that. Nobody in that room knew that he thought bad thoughts about all of us. And Well, that's not true. There were two or three of us that knew it. <laughs> Most people in that room didn't know it until he did that. And now he gave them a new cause of stumbling. But I want us to understand today that sometimes our sin does affect the people around us. And ultimately, all of it will, because even if we regard iniquity in our heart like he was doing, eventually that would come out towards other people. But when someone's sin has caused someone else to stumble, we have a responsibility before God to go make it right with that person. See, we must, first, when we realize we messed up, we got to confess it to God. we got to seek reconciliation with the Lord. But secondly, we got to ask the Lord, Lord, is there anybody that I need to go get right with? Did my sin impact someone else? Did my sin lead someone else astray? Did people seeing me do what I did cause them to disobey you? If so, I need to go make it right. I need to deal with it. And you do it prayerfully and you do it humbly. But it's necessary that you seek reconciliation with others. And then there's a third principle that I want to share with you this morning. And there are many places we could go for all of these, but this is one the Lord burdened my heart with about 3 o'clock this morning. I want you to open your Bibles to the Old Testament, to 2 Samuel chapter 24. 2 Samuel chapter 24, beginning in verse 11. Now when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things, choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it to you. Stop there for just a minute. David had sinned against the Lord in pride and arrogance by numbering the people of Israel. We're not going to get into all the context here. and We have the story here. We have it in Chronicles. And there's a whole lot of theological stuff that we could get into, but for time we're not doing that today. You can go see Dr. Ingalls about that. But I want you to notice what happened. The confrontation has now happened. And the prophet of God came to the, to the king, to David, and he confronts him with it, and he says, I'm going to give you three choices for the consequences. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I didn't like that. I mean, you know, the, the question I hated the worst was, what do you think I should do about that? Uh, because... Everything in my flesh wanted to say, uh, tell me never do it again, let me go. <laughs> but I knew that I deserved worse. You know, most of the time what I chose <laughs> was harsher than what my parents actually dealt out. But that's what God does. He doesn't do that all the time. In fact, most of the time he just gives us the consequences. But here, he sends the prophet of God to David and says, David, I'm going to give you three choices. You choose. Now, pick back up. 
Verse 13, so Gad came to David and told him, said to him, shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months from before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days of plague in your land? Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from morning until the appointed time, from Dan to Beersheba, that's from the, all the way up in the north to all the way down in the south. It was a way that the Hebrew text used to refer to all of Israel. From Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from destruction. And he said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. And David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people. He said, Surely I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. Go back and look at verse 14 one more time. I am in great distress. Please let me fall into the hand of the Lord. For his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. When you mess up, you seek reconciliation with the Lord. When you mess up, you seek reconciliation with others. But when you mess up, you surrender the consequences to God. long as you worry about the consequences, you'll have a hard time getting right. But when you say, God, you're a God of justice and mercy. I know what I deserve. I ask for your mercy. But I surrender to whatever consequences you determine. That's how you deal with life when you mess up.